Good morning. I'm Darrell Gunter, your host for Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM. Today, we are so pleased and blessed to have Dr. Jeffrey Hull, who is the author of Flex, the Art and Science of Leadership in a Changing World, as our in-studio guest this weekend. Jeffrey, welcome to the program, and thank you for agreeing to be a guest on our program to discuss your book, Flex, the Art and Science of Leadership in a Changing World, and also to provide your thoughts and insights about leadership, as that's, that is what your book is about. Welcome to the program. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Before we jump into uh, your, your book, Flex, um, could you share with our audience a little bit about your education background and experience? Sure. I, um, I guess the easiest way to summarize is uh, I've had sort of three careers. Um, early in my professional life, after graduating from college, I was a liberal arts major, uh, I worked in human resources for a number of years with a couple of large firms, one of whom people probably have heard of called Booz Allen and Hamilton, one of the big consulting firms. Um, second phase of my career was starting a leadership training company with a friend of mine who's still to this day a good friend, so I guess that's a good sign. Uh, many years later, um, we started a consultancy that was focused on leadership training and organizational development. That lasted about eight or nine years. And then um, I went back to school and got my PhD in clinical psychology, and since then have worked as an executive coach also doing leadership training, but my work has evolved to be primarily around developing leaders and working with teams uh, on a coaching framework, which is also how the book came about. Wow, which leads into my next question. Your book is quite intri intriguing, and I've learned so much from it. Um, how did your book come about? When did you realize that okay, I, I have all of this knowledge and experience, now I want to share it with the, 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 the public. Well, I think there were, there's one, there, as with anything else, there's the, the long, slow burn <laughs> of thinking, you know, this taught, these things I'm seeing happening in the leadership landscape with lots of shifts and changes in the types of people I'm working with, this could be an interesting story. So that's, that's something that happened over a period of years. But then there was one particular experience that I have, and I do share that story in the book, about meeting a particular lawyer, uh, leader who just happened to be a surgeon. Um, and it, this individual was really special in that he was what I would call an alpha leader, a typical sort of directive, authoritative leader in the operating room, which is what you would need, especially if you're going to have surgery. You want someone who's in charge. You know, the command and control surgeon um, makes perfect sense in that environment, I think, for most of us. But then he would, he would shift gears, and over the period of time I worked with him, I saw a whole range of styles. And I wound up having a dialogue with him about – how did he learn to shift gears and switch hats with such agility, with such flexibility? And it was at that moment that I realized that what I was actually seeing in a lot of my clients and a lot of leadership contexts was this evolution away from just a pure sort of one-size-fits-all approach to leading 
And that this was something that was happening on a bigger scale even than I was aware of. I was noticing it at my clients, but I think it was also happening across the organizational world. And then you add on top of that the rise of diversity in the workplace with women taking leadership roles, people of color coming up into leadership roles, people from all over the world in different cultures and different backgrounds. And the emergence, or sort of I would say the, the merge of all of these things at one time basically made me step back and say, you know, this is happening very quietly because on the media, the big mainstream media, all we hear about is, you know, politics and the sort of typical autocratic leaders are taking over, you know, lots of different countries. And I'm thinking to myself, well, something else is actually happening on the organizational landscape. And I think it's time that we actually spoke up and talked about it. So that's kind of how it all came together for me. And, and how long, if I may ask, uh, from the time you said, oh, I need to do a book, or someone suggested to you, you need to do a book, from the time, how long did it take you to, to get it to publication? It always takes longer than you think. <laughs> um, probably four years all told. Uh, the writing of the book didn't take four years, but the framing of the concepts, the research, um, taking a deeper dive into what are the dimensions of this agile, flexible leadership that I'm talking about. Uh, I wanted the book also to be based in good science, and there is some good research now that I've had access to with my work at the Institute of Coaching at Harvard, where there's a lot of good research going on around leadership effectiveness, around coaching. So there was a lot of time spent um, taking sort of my anecdotal experience and then doing the research to make sure that what I was saying wasn't just a one-off. It was actually based on solid evidence. And that took a couple of years. And then, you know, the process of working with an agent and writing a proposal and then the publishing and it takes the time that it takes. It's a whole team effort once it gets going. Um, and it's exciting and it's exhausting and uh, I'm glad it's over. And I'm also excited that it's out there in the world because I think it's an important mes message. Of course. And, and of course, the book is available on all outlets, whether it's Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, correct? As of today, yes. That is great. This week. That is great. And so let's talk about the key the key principles of flex and um, what are the key principles? Well, I think that there's one fundamental theme. So, and that is that in order for today's leaders to be effective in a flatter, more networked, more high tech, multi time zoned environment um, where teamwork, collaboration, creativity, and innovation are all really the buzzwords that everyone um, is focused on that agility, the, the ability of a leader to step into the role and be able to shift gears, wear different hats, play different roles as needed is a crucial competency, crucial capacity. So that's sort of my core theme that developing a sense of flexibility in your style as a leader is core to your success in today's world. And then the next piece that's really important is I want to support the emergence of what I call 
a beta style leader in contrast to what I think of as the typical alpha, which most of us you know, have heard that phrase and we know what we're talking about, the charismatic sort of authoritative leadership style, which is still very helpful and useful, in fact, necessary in certain, some certain situations where you need someone who'll step up and make a tough decision or if it's an emergency, you certainly want to have, a, as I said before, a surgeon in the operating room. We need that alpha style. But what I'm seeing and what the research shows is that today's organizations really thrive in more of what I'm calling a beta approach to leadership, which is more collaborative, more consensus-oriented, more of a curiosity-based, inquisitive, listening style of leadership. And it shows up in different dimensions. It shows up in your, your decision-making style. You know, a beta-style leader is someone who's more focused on getting the best information from everyone and then making a decision with a consensus wherever possible. It shows up in your communication style. A beta-style leader will use more storytelling and narrative rather than just facts and figures to inspire. It shows up in having greater emotional agility, not being so necessarily stoic and actually being more transparent and willing to share how you're feeling about what's going on. And in fact, take into account the emotional quotient of the, of the team, of the organization, of the group, and so on. You know, there's a, there's a whole set of um, dimensions that underpin what I call this spectrum from the alpha to beta style leadership. You know, uh, in, the, in, in, in the fierce definition, let's discuss fierce, which is defined as flexibility, intentionality, emotional intelligence, realness, collaboration, and engagement. Can you walk us through your fierce definition and why fierce is the foundation of being, uh, I guess, a, a leader in today's changing world, having that flexibility. Yeah, I'd have to say that the acronym fierce turned out to be the luck of the draw <laughs> in the sense that what I did when I started to look at this emergence of this new, broader, more flexible leadership style that I was working with in a wider range of clients, uh, more diverse clients, is I, did, I, I started to categorize what are the areas that I work with my clients most often, what shows up more than any other theme in my coaching. And I discovered that it really came into these categories of agile decision-making, intentional communication, emotional agility, authenticity, which translated into realness, so that fit with the collaboration and engagement. And then I did a survey. Um, I'm fortunate to be part of the Institute of Coaching at Harvard, where we do research and education and work with thousands of coaches. So I did a survey of other coaches, like, what are you finding in the work that you're doing? Because I didn't want this to be just my own personal experience. And I found there was a commonality that these themes were coming up over and over again in the work that many executive and leadership coaches were doing. So they, that became the categories of focus for the book. And then it worked extremely well to look at the underlying research 
for what they typically call transformational leaders or effective leaders. And there's a lot of good research that shows that these are the areas that actually make all the difference in terms of effective leadership, in terms of leadership that really works, that builds loyalty, trust, inspiration. Um, and, it, and so it all sort of fell together. Um, and it was kind of a lucky coincidence that it added up to fierce because I think it's nice to have something that you can easily remember when you take away from um, this kind of content. And so when you talk about, okay, flexibility, you know, you, you, you know, I get that. Uh, intentionality, uh, talk about that a little bit. What, what do you mean by intentionality? It has to do, in this case, with the communication style of the leader. That a typical alpha style leader is usually recognized as someone who's going to stick with facts and figures, bullet points, PowerPoints. Um, you know, they're going to give you the bottom line and give you updates on information that you need. I mean, it's, a, it's what I would call a data-driven style, and a lot of people respect that and value that, and I do too. Like, that can be very useful. But on the other end of the spectrum, you have communication style that really connects more emotionally with an audience. And that's really more about using stories and a narrative of, that includes metaphor, that it's more personal, maybe anecdotes. And there's no, it's not like one is better than the other. But again, getting back to that theme of developing agility and flexibility, what the book sets out is for you to reflect on what is your natural style. If you're a scientist, for example, or you're an engineer, you may feel more comfortable with facts and figures. So, you know, I had these senior project management leaders that I worked with that are more engineering and scientifically oriented, and they would hold team meetings. And I remember, you know, they would look around the room and after 30 minutes, everybody was gone. Like, why did we come to that meeting? It's just facts and figures. All he does is read his bullet points off the PowerPoint presentation. And so we would get into a conversation around, well, what is your purpose in doing the meeting? What do you want to get out of it? And typically, even an alpha data-driven leader would say to me, I want to have a good conversation. I want to connect with people. I want to hear from people. I want to, and I would say, well, maybe you need to do a, develop an additional style to your leadership in the way you intentionally communicate. Be a little more personal. Share a story. Talk about the purpose, the why, the meaning. So that's where that dimension of intentional communication is kind of a full spectrum from facts and figures to storytelling and inspiring. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with Dr. Jeffrey Hull, who is the author of Flex, the Art and Science of Leadership in a Changing World as our guest this weekend. And we are discussing within his book, there is the fierce definition, which is flexibility, intentionality, emotional intelligence, realness, collaboration, and engagement. And something you said there, which really struck uh, a chord with me, was that if someone wanted to add a particular component, new component to their style, and, and it kind of says that if, you know, some people ask the question, are, are leaders born or, or can someone develop to be a leader? 
And I take it you probably support the theme that people can develop into being better leaders. I would even take it further. Please do. <laughs> I, would, I would say that everyone is born a leader. When you get out of bed in the morning, you're leading your day. Um, that there's leadership inherent in all of us. And it's one of my passions and commitments in my work in the world is to support anyone and everyone who would ever see themselves as possibly becoming a leader to realize it's about developing your own inner essence and you're finding your voice and developing a style that works for you. And basically anyone can be a leader. And I think that's so crucial today because we need to have more leadership voices where it's not a one trick pony um, world anymore. You know, we don't, you know, I was thinking of a, an analogy the other day that, that I just bought a 27 speed bike and I was Ooh. trying to figure out how to mm -hmm. use, you know, I hadn't had a new bike for a while and I realized, <laughs> and, the, and the guy that sold me the bike said, oh no, it's not even 27, it's 29 speeds. And I oh. thought, wow, that's so typical. I remember when I was a kid, there was just one speed, one break, one speed. That's it. <laughs> and the same thing is true for leadership. You know, we all, we need to be able to operate on a multifaceted spectrum. And uh, that, that creates huge opportunity because it means that there's room for a much more diverse set of voices to speak up, to take the stage and to have impact. And you don't have to follow the tried and true narrative. You don't have to be the charismatic, authoritative leader. There's a lot of different ways. There's the quiet leader. There's the collaborative leader. There's a whole range. And I just really want to honor that. And it speaks to within the fierce definition of emotional intelligence. And um, I've always talked about emotional intelligence ooh, for the last 10 years in a sense that it'll, it, it demonstrates that the leader has the ability to manage to the one and to the many uh, by being flexible in their approach. What are your thoughts about emotional intelligence and the importance of it within someone's leadership style? Well, I think it's crucial. And I, the good, so the good news is that there's a number of books that have been written. Dan Goleman has made it a popular theme in most of the leadership literature and leadership development courses and in schools and business programs. So this is great because it's sort of bringing, to my mind, it's bringing back what has always been true, which is that the distinction between IQ and EQ is a false distinction. The human brain does not have uh, stacks and categories inside it where one side is IQ and the other side is EQ. You know, we, we're all actually one brain. You know, we have one interconnected brain. And so our emotional sensors, our emotional reactions to the world and our intellectual or cognitive work in the world are actually incredibly intertwined. So the more effective you, you will be, is when you begin to realize that there's an emotional component to just about everything you do. Um, and, and becoming aware of that, learning to express effectively your feelings and hear and resonate with others' feelings, being able to regulate that. These, this is, these are core attributes of an effective, flexible leader. 
I was with a group last night of physicians. Um, I'm at Duke University this week and working with physicians. And they were talking about all the different modalities of communication, texting and tweeting and emailing and phone calls and conference calls. And, and they said to me, it's so complicated to know how to do all of those things well. And I said, well, you know, one thing to keep in mind is there's an emotional quality to every single form of communication, whether it's tweeting or texting, whether it's an emoji or a long email, you're sharing your feelings in some form. And so to become aware of that emotional intelligence aspect of communication and of your being is really crucial to your success. Wow, absolutely. And, and um, in your book, there's a theme that you, 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 you talk about how to tame your, I, mean, I hope I say this correctly, amygdala? Amiga, oh, 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 I love that. The amygdala. <laughs> amygdala, okay. <laughs> yeah, the amygdala. The, the, there's a phrase that we use in our, in our world as coaches it's called the amygdala hijack. Right, right. Um, and, we, and, it, and it's basically, a, that's a technical phrase for getting triggered. Okay. Right? And we all get triggered. And we all react to situations when things don't go well, when the flight gets delayed, or when uh, the driver doesn't show up on time, or when your Zoom conference call doesn't work because your computer crashes. So it's all, that all takes place in the amygdala, which is uh, the emotional amygdala. seat yes. in the brain. Mm -hmm. So there is a section in my book for all leaders and for, it's basically for all of us, including me, to learn to practice to tame that reactive part of ourselves. Um, because we're all moving at a thousand miles an hour these days. We're all moving from one meeting to the next, from one conference call to the next, from one flight to the next. And when things come apart or don't work, we have to be very cautious that we don't take the bad experience from one aspect of our day and translate it into everyone else, right? You know, it's the, the old adage, you go home and kick the dog because you had such a bad day. Well, that, mm. poor, that poor pooch doesn't deserve your amygdala hijack. <laughs> right, right. So that's right. what I'm referring to. There are practices and, you know, there are forms of, they're really micro forms of mindfulness in a sense that we all can learn to use to have more balance, create, I call them buffer zones. Mm. Beautiful. To have Beautiful. more equilibrium. So it's, it's, it's one sense is to stop some of the knee jerk reactions that we might have. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you talk about um, alpha to beta to alpha, um, you spoke about that earlier in regards to someone being the alpha personality, but being able to be flexible to be the, the beta manager. But right. then there's, but there's a time where there, you do need someone to take a decision. Can you talk about that a little bit in regards to how do you coach um, your, your folks that you're coaching to go from the alpha beta and back to alpha if necessary? That's a great question. I mean, I think that that's really one of the themes of my book is how to, if you, how to coach yourself, if you're an alpha, how to tame the inner alpha so that you can be more restrained. And so you can step back and listen, become curious and get the best information out of your team and not always feel like you have to make the quick decision or rush to judgment. 
So there are techniques and practices in the book for taming the inner alpha um, to develop that kind of restraint. Likewise, if you're a, a beta style and person and you really want to be a leader, then you may at times need to get in touch with your inner alpha. And what I do with clients that are maybe introverted or they are more of a, fall, a servant type leader where they'll, they'll really sort of set in motion a conversation but want to get everyone involved. They're really more team oriented or collaborative, which is great. But there are times when they need to step up and make a decision. They need to make the call. And I will ask them to think about how they've been achieving success in their life up to that point. Look back on when you got an A on an exam or you did something where you were really proud of yourself. And most beta style folks will recognize that they have that alpha energy in them when they need it. And so it's basically accessing that and thinking back to when you did something really well and you, you have a success, what was the energy it took you to accomplish that? And it might not have been leadership, it might have been an athletic event, or it might have been an academic achievement, but the same kind of strong, committed, persistent energy, that's the core of the alpha. So even a beta style leader has that in them, they just need to get back in touch with that in most cases. And, and and I think when folks purchase your book, they're going to be very delighted that in the beginning, you provide a series of questions for them to self-assess themselves. Can right. you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, the idea is to, to become an effective leader in today's world, to develop this kind of agility that I'm talking about, you have to start with self-awareness. You have to be willing to step back and reflect on what is your natural style? What are your habits? What do you typically do? And so there's a set of questions in the book that ask you to reflect on which end of the spectrum you are around your decision-making approach, your communication style, your way of feeling, your way of viewing emotions, um, whether you're naturally uh, in collaboration, whether you're naturally directive or collaborative. So you get a chance to step back and kind of reflect on yourself and not with the sense that you're going to come away doing anything right or wrong. It's really more about getting a baseline or a foundation of your natural tendencies. And it's from there that you can then read the rest of the book and kind of choose the exercises and practices that will help you expand. Because my whole theme is that it's, it's getting grounded in your strengths and what you do well on one end of the spectrum or the other and looking then to expand that. And Dr. Hall, how can someone get in touch with you if they wanted to have a further discussion about your book or even to your counsel as a coach? Uh, probably the best way to reach me is to, is to hop on my website, which is uh, jeffreyhall.com. And there's a way to write to me there. Uh, my email is jeff at jeffreyhull.com. So I'm happy to hear from any of your listeners. And uh, there's a lot more information they can find. Believe, believe it or not, this time has just flown by. But, <laughs> if, but if you could, in the next 30 seconds, what advice would you like to give to folks out there who are looking to be better leaders? 
I would say get in touch with what you consider to be your core passion. What do you most care about and why? And then look to get feedback from the world. And when I say feedback, I'm not looking to ask, don't ask for what you could fix or what is broken, but ask for what do you do well? One of the things I love to do with all of my clients is get them to ask five people what are their top five strengths and get very clear on what you're good at and then connect the dots between your strengths and your passions and constantly be looking for opportunities to expand the repertoire. It's like see yourself almost like as a musical instrument that you're learning to play. It's a lifelong journey to become a virtuoso with yourself and as a leader. Wow, very powerful. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with Dr. Jeffrey Hull. He's the author of Flex, the Art and Science of Leadership in a Changing World as our guest today. Dr. Hull, thank you for the very inspiring, very interesting discussion about leadership, your new book, Flex. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Very welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, that wraps it up for this weekend with leadership with Darrell W. Gunter on WSOU 89.5. FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net at Seton Hall University. I want to wish you all to have a very great weekend, but remember, leadership begins with you. WSOU 89.5 FM.